Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Praise the Lord. Tell somebody next to you, I'm glad you're here tonight. Amen. How many are in revival personally? Amen. How many feel the revival spirit? Amen. It's a good feeling of the Holy Spirit in this place. Amen. God's going to do great things in the next 72 hours. How many believe that? Amen. It's so, it's so good to have uh, our different churches here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the pastors and their wives stand. Uh, I'll just start on this side. Pastor Jesse and Julie over here from Bowie. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor John and Sessie from South Dallas. Amen. Uh, okay, sorry. They were standing. Pastor Nestor and Priscilla from Fort Worth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor Jerry and Veronica, I'm used to sitting you guys being over here. Farmer's Branch. Amen. And Pastor Brian and Joy from Garland. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's a little rally, amen? All of us back together. I know they're glad to be home. This is home for all of them. And, and uh, I, don't, I know it's been like six months, since less than six months since you left, but it might seem like six years. But we're glad to have you, amen? Well, I, I've been, we've been having tremendous services all week. And um, starting in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then tonight, I know that they're tired but there's nothing better than getting tired serving God. And we have a tremendous couple with us. I have known them for as about as long as they have been pastoring. Uh, Pastor Safari with his wife and their three children that I have known since before they were even born. Their oldest is about to be 18 and uh, then 13 and 6. So it's been amazing to see them grow up. And I didn't even recognize them in the picture. Um, but they, they are, are amazing uh, family and doing an amazing work and have been for 23 years in Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya. I've been blessed to preach there two or three times uh, in the tent. They have a tremendous church there. And besides the church that's there, they took over the church that Pastor Paul and Emily started many, many years ago. Uh, out of that church, we, ha- we now have nine churches in Kenya. Amen. Nine churches, praise God. Good, powerful churches. And uh, the, 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 the church that they pastor and oversee is also uh, land that we helped purchase, if you remember that. And so uh, that when you see that in that video, that's, how do we say it? Our land. It's our, we teach, it's our land, amen. It belongs to all of us. And uh, I know he's got a powerful word. I, I have a story that I always remember uh, and I always like to tell it because it's uh, to me it's very funny. Uh, the very first time we were trying to figure out when it was, the very first time he came to Dallas, and we picked him. I picked him up at the airport, and at that time I had a truck that had that automatic start. I had put that automatic start on it. You know where you just hit the button and it starts. And I took him out. I just wanted to have some fun with him. And I took him out and I said, "Watch this, Pastor." And I said, "Truck start," and I had, and I had my thing in my pocket. And he said, that's white man's witchcraft. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Do you remember? You remember, Pastor? <laughs> I had so much fun with that because he hadn't seen that, and so it was a lot of fun. But he, he is a tremendous preacher, man of faith, godly husband and father, and he's going to bring some powerful words to us in his next few services. Don't, don't forget to make plans already for tomorrow night at 6 It'll be six, not seven, amen. And then uh, Sunday morning, both services. But we'll have these pastors and their wives and families with us again tomorrow. And then Sunday, everybody will be back at their own churches. But God is doing a great work. It's exciting to be a part of the move of God that he's doing in our lives, amen. So I'm going to not take up any more of his time, but let's let Pastor Wrighton Safari from Kenya know we love him this, the, tonight as he comes, amen. Let him feel welcome, amen. Safest place. Yes. Thank you. Very good, 
<laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we having revival? Let's give the Lord a shout of honor. A shout of praise. Glory, glory, hallelujah. You can have your seats in the presence of the Lord this evening. My names, as he did introduce me, are just exactly. I'm not worried about the spellings. He pronounced it right, just like an African. Pastor, thank you so, so much for having us over, for taking care of us and uh, just trusting us with the pulpit and uh, these altars. That is a privilege I will never brag about. The honor is on us. The blessings is on us, and God will double it on you. Would you say a better amen? Amen. amen. I and my dear wife Susan, she's in uh, in the house of God this evening. I keep calling her the first lady from Africa. She left her kids with my mother-in-law, her mother, and we say, let's go preach. Let's go minister. And so for, to every one of you, thank you for having us. The pastors who have taken care of us since we came, they picked us at the airport. You've taken care of us every other day. Pastor, we have been spoiled by your disciples. We have eaten the finest. We have drunk the best water. We could take water from the faucet, from the tap. They kept giving us water. And I can tell you when we go back to Africa, it will be time to lose weight. We are gaining it from America. And then we lose it in Africa. <laughs> Pastor John, Pastor Nestor, Pastor Brian, you have really taken us through. And uh, Pastor, God bless you for having such wonderful disciples. Pastor is my personal friend. Pastor has been with us for a long time. I rank him as the one man that I've known on earth that can learn any language without a teacher. He texts me in Swahili. I answer him in Swahili. He's, when we came this evening, he just hugged me and greeted me in Swahili. Pastor, I'm not saying this just to throw in for free. You have an amazing gift of doing languages. I wish I just knew a half of what you, are, you know in terms of doing another foreign language. And God bless you for that. I've come to preach. And I want to preach. Would you give me a minute of your precious time to speak the word of God? Before I read the scriptures and say of the title, I want to remind myself of the following. Devil, you are defeated. When Jesus hung on that tree, naked, paraded before everyone, he shed his precious blood. He was defeated. But the devil does this. He fights make-believe battles in the minds of the people. And he tells them, you are not a good preacher. You are not a good woman. You are not a good young man. You think you left drugs and all these things you're going for? No. I remind the devil before I introduce the message of today. He is surely defeated now in your life and my life and in our lives put together. I'm going to minister today about heal the sick for the kingdom of God has come. Heal the sick for the kingdom of of God has come. The Bible has this to say in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 22 to 28. It's a story about the Pharisees uh, trying to blaspheme 
what Jesus had done in the life of a man who was demon-possessed, blind, and he was not able to speak. So, the Bible says, and I read, Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil. He was blind and could not speak. And he healed him in so much that the blind and the he that was not able to speak spoke and he saw. Verses 23. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? If that's your Bible, you can note this. Or make a small note there. Underline that. Is this not the son of David? It's called the spirit of familiarity that breeds contempt. They said, this is the son of David. We know him so well. The carpenter's son. Can he do that? And 24 says, but when the Pharisees heard it, they say this fellow does not cast out devils, but the Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Another higher notch in familiarity that breeds contempt compounded by blasphemy. 25th verse and 26. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How, then how shall his kingdom stand? Question mark. And if Beelzebub casts out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we exalt and magnify your name in this revival. The word of God says, revive us again that your people may rejoice in you. We pray for a wonderful encounter with you, God. And if devils dare come our way, we'll declare the kingdom of God has come. Let the power of the Holy Ghost be here. The anointing that breaks the yoke. The blood of Jesus that speaketh better things. And the word of faith that will resuscitate the things and the people and the affairs that are intensive care unit. For this day we declare in the name of the Father and the Holy Ghost that the kingdom of God has come. Let there be numerical growth. Hearts that are bound in addictions, let them experience the kingdom. This is the day the Lord has made. And we are going to rejoice in it. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let the saints of God say amen. amen. Let those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ say a better amen. 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 And so Jesus, they brought unto him a man who was demon possessed. And out of this demonic aggression, he could not speak and he could not see. Demons are real. And I began by saying, I need to remind myself and this precious audience that Satan has been defeated and his host of angels that are wicked, they have been defeated by what Jesus did. He shed his blood. But the devil has some kind of wicked perseverance. He can stay a little bit longer just to take people back to Egypt. And in this case that we have read, Jesus does a wonderful thing. He heals this man. He was able to speak and to see. Can you imagine with me a picture? You can draw an imaginative picture. A person who has never been seen for a long time. Everything is like foreign. And from the blues, he's able to speak. She's able to speak. That is a simultaneous and a miracle put together. 
All of us here, just by look of you, uh, by look uh, 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 on your faces, we could rejoice, we could jump up. But the Pharisees, they say, oh no, you have done it, but the power behind the doing is the devil himself. So you've cast out the devil by the power of the devil, the prince of the spirits of darkness, his name is Beelzebub. I want to say this, the Bible doesn't see it. Jesus was offended. Because they attributed the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. And in other scriptures in the gospel it says, there's only one sin that is unforgivable. It's the blasphemy, the sin of blasphemy. And the sin of blasphemy, the theologians say, is attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. When God heals people, when God does wonderful things, when God just lifts us and the people say, oh, they worship the devil. That's why they're driving nice cars. They have a lot of money, so they are Illuminati. Their children are educated and they are brainy and intelligent. They are drawing their strength and their riches from the devil. When we know very well, we are tithers. We are prayerful people. We are a people of faith and the Bible. And it offended Jesus. And Jesus knowing their thoughts said this. Every kingdom divided against itself it shall not stand. Every family and every city that rises against itself it shall not stand. In other words, Jesus was ridiculing them through an act of critical thinking. He told them. Tell me for a fact, you are learned people. You are theologians in your own ways. You know what the devil is. Can the devil cast out the devil? And so they could not argue with Jesus. And he told them, I leave you with this. Who, if your children, uh, you know, let me just read it very quick. If certain cast out certain is divided against itself, how shall his kingdom stand? And if by Beelzebub I cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? And he left them, their hearts hardened. So Jesus healed these men by the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him. And he declared in verses 28. When we do healing in his name and power, the kingdom of God has come. Let me say it differently. The kingdom, the word kingdom is a compound word in grammar. It has both the word king and dom. And dom can be extended to mean a domain. The king's domain or authority has come and has been extended. So when people are healed, the domain and the rulership of Jesus Christ is taken from that locality, from that position to a greater positioning, both in the spiritual realm and on the ground assault. May the church of God say amen. In the book of Luke chapter 9 verse 2, the Bible says, and he said, he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. When Jesus sent out disciples in the commissioning, there are certain things that were repetitive. There are things that he did again and again, both for the purposes of emphasis and uh, being practical. He said, go preach the kingdom of God. And by so doing the kingdom I heal the sick because the kingdom of God has come. There is no way we can preach the kingdom of God without healing. I'll bring it home in a minute. I'll make it visible. God will help me. I am here and the help of God is on me. He said, go preach the kingdom of God. Elsewhere in Mark. We read when they accepted to go out, when they obeyed Jesus the great, uh, to go out and do the great commission. Jesus accompanied them, giving them signs and wonders. There were healings. Church, 
if we don't see healing in our congregations, the problem is not with Jesus. If we don't see people, you know, their lives changed. Jesus has never changed. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He told them, go out and preach. Present the gospel. Heal the sick. And by so doing, the domain of my authority goes beyond the four walls of the church. These two kingdoms are at, you know, at long heads. There's a fight. We are in a fight. We may not like it, but we are in a fight. And that's why, the, why I say the devil has to be reminded consistently. He is a defeated enemy. He is a defeated enemy. But... There is the nature of the kingdom that I want to tell a story from Africa to bring this message home the best way I can. In Kenya, we have a government that is more democratically elected, the president. And it's not a traditional. But in the neighboring country called Uganda, they also have a democratic government, but they also still practice uh, the kingdom the old kingdom, traditional kingdom. And there is something I want to pull from the kingdom of the Buganda and parallel it and contrast it with the kingdom of God has come and the healing of the sick. They say in the kingdom of Buganda, which is very old, many years, hundreds, if not thousands of years, the king was so powerful and he would extend his kingdom by murders and killings and it was fun. They would go on raids on other kingdoms and other tribes and killing of people would be a wonderful thing. But with the time it changed. It changed and they would only rule from a central place and the people would come for consultation. So the king sits on the throne and he's assisted by ministers. And those ministers are witches. They practice witchcraft and sorcery and magic work and wicked things of the devil. And the devil comes in person to attend some sittings. Long story short. The devil is there. The devil hates you. They say, the devil is there. He wants to capture our children when he cannot take us, those who believe and have a faith in Jesus. So he'll come after your grandchildren. He'll come after your business. He'll come after your health. So people who practice witchcraft, they go to the Kabaka. They go to the king of Buganda seeking wicked powers for some other things. Now, there is this example that is so extreme, especially for you Americans. But because you're born again, you Christians, the devil exposed is an enemy defeated. Let me say it as it is. Uh, you will have to allow me to say it as it is. The people go there and uh, they would like to talk to their dead mother or father. The father died and somebody would go to consult with a lot of money and they would tell the king, may the king live forever. I want to talk to my mother or my father. And with a lot of money paid in, the king and their ministers would call the dead and they would walk right into the auditorium and people would talk to their dead. And others would come just for powers to cause people to be sick, to cause people to be confused, to gain power for politics. And they said this very striking thing about Christian and the kingdom of God. Some Christians go there. They mix Christianity and witchcraft. They're in the kingdom of the devil, 
and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So they go there. They want power. Power to do some things, maybe business. Power to confuse others. They said, when Christians pray, when Christians go for revivals and conferences and they read the word and they fast and give their money to missions, they say this, the domain of God's kingdom and Jesus Christ goes out, increases, and the kingdom of the Buganda diminishes. Praise God. Praise God. Let's give him praise. Jesus is in the house. The devil is defeated. They said when Christians compromise, they get into sin. They do things they should not do. The kingdom of God and its domain diminishes. And the kingdom of the Buganda goes out. When Christians go out witnessing, winning souls and preaching Jesus, the kingdom of God expands. And the kingdom of the Buganda that represents the devil diminishes. We should preach the gospel. We should preach the gospel. We should pray. We should give to us missions. We should witness we should be obedient and have a total surrender to the word of God. Because that way the domain of the kingdom of God goes beyond Texas. Goes beyond Dallas. Goes beyond our bedrooms. That thing really touched me because I read in the Bible out of the same scripture we have read. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them. Every kingdom divided against itself shall be brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, then if he is divided against himself, his kingdom has come to nothing. Jesus made this admission. There is a kingdom of the devil and it's a rival kingdom. I was amazed. The nature of the kingdom of the devil has the following from Buganda. Deception and sickness at the top of the ladder. Witchcraft, manipulation of a controlled blackmail, sacrifices of human beings, mystery and fear, bloodshed and arm twisting were characteristics and the nature of the kingdom of the Buganda. And it represents the kingdom of the devil. Manipulation. If you have a husband or a wife full of manipulation. Children manipulating their parents. School teachers. Government that manipulates the people. They are working and operating under the power of the devil. They control the people. They make them powerless. They make school syllabuses and systems that, you know what? They over control the people. They have no liberty in a free nation, in a land of opportunity like this. But they are marked. They are controlled. They cannot be independent thinkers. The devil, we need to remind him, is defeated. He is defeated. It is that nature. The nature of the devil is to control. He wants you to feel like you are tall, but you are living in a small house. The roof is just above you, and you have to crawl in your own car. You have to crawl in your own bedroom. You have no power over yourself. You cannot enjoy life. He is over controlling. He manipulates everything. He uses sicknesses. They said in that kingdom, the devil takes sicknesses from one person and puts on another person and then you pay for it to be removed. Nothing has been removed. He generates sicknesses. We need to preach. Heal the sick. For the kingdom of God has come. And when preachers prayed for the sick to be healed, they said, we are able to see what Christians don't see with their naked eyes. That's what the witches confessed. When people are healed, it is hard 
it is very hard for people of the devil to argue with us. Because it's the nature of the kingdom of God. And the nature of the kingdom of God is God coming down, asserting his power, liberating people, and taking away sicknesses. And that way, diminishing the influence, the authority of the devil. Can somebody in the house say amen? amen. I am contending for miracles in my assembly where God has planted me. We need to contend for the presence of Jesus, the healing power of God, the goodness of God. So healing, miracle, is a good work of Jesus. Because Jesus said, but if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come. You know how this kingdom of God comes? When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he built his seat of intellect like a headquarter in our hearts. Jesus is more than pleased, but he cannot break into our hearts. He wants to settle in our hearts and in our midst. So that the ripple effect of his kingdom will go further in me, in us, the ripple effect of the kingdom of God goes farther and wider. That's how he rules. That's how he rules. You know, spiritual reality is the truth about everything. They say spiritual reality is a greater reality. When God rules in the hearts of the people, he rules the world. We cannot take that one for granted. The kingdom of God is begun in the hearts of his people. God rules this world by establishing his authoritative rule in the hearts of those believers who willingly accept him. He's not a political ruler. He's not ruling through uh, the systems of this world. He's ruling in the hearts. And by so doing, he takes authority over the world. When we wrestle, the spiritual battle is not against, you know, uh, flesh and blood. But we are wrestling against real forces, real haters, real gossipers, real aggressors that cause divisions and separations and divorces. Can you imagine these people in Buganda, they had this to say. Apart about what the devil is able to do. He energizes human beings towards prostitution, gangs, drugs, people bound in prisons, alcoholism, drugs like marijuana, cocaine, meth. Can you imagine they made this admission that they generate the spirit of depression? And car accidents, automobile accidents, unnatural deaths that cannot be explained or be traced to anything tangible. Our enemy is real and he has a kingdom that is full of blood. And we cannot sit back and wait until he comes home to attack our daughters. We must preach the kingdom, we must heal the sick, we must push him back. We must preach the gospel. We must heal the sick. We must push him back. 23 years ago, if I will be right, I read a good book in the library. The title of the book was 101 Reasons Why Americans Go to War. 101 reasons why Americans go to war. And in the introduction, they said, Americans go to war before the war comes. Before that war comes, they planned air bases, navy bases away from America. So that when war comes, they push back the enemy from their own zones. So when World War III comes, they'll be fighting from Africa, from Asia, from Germany out there and then their own children will be going to school at home they'll be doing agriculture at home 
You'll be going to church at home and you can watch the war on TV. Should we wait for our enemy to come, then we fight him in our own bedrooms. Heal the sick. Let's fight for those who we believe are our sons and daughters. Let's not wait for the enemy to bring uh, uh, perversion home. And then that's when we try to arm ourselves. There's a hundred and one reasons that Americans go to war. And the best air bases are away from Chicago. They're away from California. They're away from Texas. They're away from Seattle. Our enemy is real. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 and verses 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. There are high places and ranks and orders in the kingdom of the devil. Should we not be orderly in the kingdom of God? When you opened the service, I saw order. Every song was orderly. All the way to the introduction of the preacher. Can you imagine if we never had order? We don't know who is preaching. We don't know who is doing the offering. We just don't know. We just came. The devil has principalities. He has orders. He can organize attacks. He energizes human instrument, instruments against the governments. He causes rebellion. He causes immorality. I see now there's a lot of lawlessness in Africa that I can attribute it to aggression of the devil. There are kingdom contentions and we are involved. You can't run away from responsibility. I can't wish this battle away by just sitting there and closing my eyes. And then when I open, the enemy is gone. Christians, fellow Christians, we are facing spiritual conflict with Satan at the middle of things. He is the host of evil spirits. The powers of darkness from the kingdom of darkness, the Satan himself, are spiritual forces of evil to do ungodliness on earth. They attack believers of this age. Think of sicknesses that we cannot explain. And think of sicknesses that we can explain, but exaggerated. Think of fatigues and uh, tired, being tired. You've rested enough. You've slept more than enough, but still fatigued. Think of depression and anger outbursts, episodes of anger from husband to loving children, from children to loving mothers. The devil is in things. And when he is not in things, he exaggerates things and provokes things. He takes things out of context. And you know what? T.L. Osborne said the devil is a mean devil. Unnatural deaths are happening in Africa. That cannot be explained. Forget malaria. Forget HIV and AIDS. Forget famine and lack of food. Unnatural deaths. Unexplained. These spiritual forces of the devil and his constitutes a great multitude and are organized into an empire of evil by rank. I see Nairobi. Political movements and, and shoutings and noise. And people start with a small crowd and they look gentle and well-mannered. But as soon as they get the crowd, people get wild. Sometimes I could be looking it on TV and I see a person I know. A gentleman. A man of order. The devil is so real, he gets into those mobs and they do things you cannot believe. They do things they will never do on their own. This is not a myth. This is not a fiction preaching. The kingdom of God is so real. And it's a powerful kingdom. The blood of Jesus is so real. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. 
The name of God is a strong tower. It cannot be defeated. It's so real. The word of God is a word of faith. We cannot take it for granted. But it must be preached. It must be presented to the people. Online, one-on-one, -on -one, in the streets, in the houses. We have to preach Jesus. And that means we must present the people with a moment of decision making and precipitate a crisis. If they believe Jesus, the crisis is precipitated to their advantage. And this is the most important thing I want to share. The devil forces people. He uses force and manipulation. To Jesus we present the gospel. It brings conviction. It exposes us. It exposes the sinner. The gospel is so important. It should be preached again and again. We must continue to preach. We must continue to pray. We ask. We knock. Many times. Not one time. Because God asserts himself with power and authority. You know what happens when we preach, when we pray? When he asserts this authority, we enter into a moment of crisis and decision making. And that's why Jesus said in Mark 1.15, Jesus said this, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So it presents a condition to entry to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, people will never stumble into the kingdom of God. The people will not come to Jesus by coincidence. People rarely come to the kingdom of God by a process of naturalization. It is through a vehicle of the gospel. And the gospel must be preached with anointing and conviction. And that's why Paul the Apostle had this to say out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. Paul said he didn't condemn eloquence of speech. He didn't castigate good you know, good way to communicate. He said, when I communicated to you, my speech didn't come to you by man's word and wisdom, but I preached with the demonstration of power and the spirit of God. That's what I need in Africa. That's what you need in America. When we preach, People can know without pretense God is in that word. Every word is seasoned, empowered, and energized by the spirit of God Almighty. Hallelujah. The devil will not get out of this nation and our businesses through diplomacy and boardroom meetings. No. Can I preach to somebody? You don't speak to the devil so nice and say, hey devil, you know that daughter is mine. And she's so beautiful. So leave her alone. That is my granddaughter. I want to speak like one of those Americans from the south today. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you don't talk to the devil like you, you are entering into a season and a zone of seduction. For the Bible says since the days of John the Baptist until today the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent will take it by force. I'm not letting my children act pornography. I begin it on my knees. I'm not letting my children do drugs. I'm beginning the war. I'm taking the war where it belongs. For since the days of John the Baptist until today, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And those who are violent, they take it by force. Let me preach to somebody in Swahili because you don't understand English. 
<laughs> Tangu siku za Yohana mbatizaji ufalme wa Mungu wapatikana kwa nguvu na wenye nguvu wanauteka. Those who purpose in their hearts they take it. Let's take it. Let's take our daughters. Let's take our nation. Let's take our I read something good about Texas. It is the only uh, you know the only state that has refused certain legislations. Wicked evil. They said no. It is taking it by force. They have to repent. Repentance and believing in what Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary for us is the necessary fundamental condition to the entry in the kingdom of God. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father, but by Jesus the door. Some people, they think they will enter through their education. Some people have nice faces. They think that is the condition. And some people think they will use their money. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And they have to believe in him or face the day of judgment. Let's preach this thing. Let's tell the truth. Let's not beg them to come to this church. Let's, you know what, present Jesus Christ. Sometimes when we beg people, they think we are presenting something that is valueless and worthless. When something is readily available, people think it is useless. Let's preach with love, but without undiluted authority. Repent or perish. We love you. I love you, my son. I love you, my son-in-law. I love you, my sister-in-law. I love you, fellow Americans. Repent or perish. For the kingdom of God must be entered by a decision that is deliberate. It must be conscious. People must make decisions. I love my children. Pastor knows them. I love them. But let me tell you, I cannot enter the kingdom of God for them. No. I tell them all the time. Israel doesn't understand, but I try. I try. I cannot sit his exams in life. I can be a good coach, but I'm not getting in there to play for Broncos. By the way, you know I'm the coach, the new coach for Broncos. I'm not going to play for them. I can coach them so good. Repentance. They have to repent and believe Jesus is the Savior. He's the deliverer of the world. He saves, he heals. You know, I want to finish with a few points here and we pray. There's a reality of God's power and what it involves. The reality of God's power and what it involves. I said in the beginning, spiritual reality is a real reality. It's the greater reality. People are bound and also people are being released. And all these things have to do in the spiritual realm where there's a lot of battle and kingdoms are at longer heads. So, the coming of the kingdom of God marks the beginning of destruction of the devil. And we have a role to play. How can we beat the devil who lied on Adam and Eve? How do you Come against the devil who has lied against great men and women in the past. I say this, and I wish to repeat it for purposes of emphasis. I must remind myself and my audience that Satan has already been defeated. But he makes believe in the hearts of in, in the minds of the people that they are defeated. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil. And he will flee. The devil must be resisted. And one thing we have done today, we are resisting the devil by coming and putting ourselves in a position we can hear the gospel. Don't isolate yourself from the fellowship, from the family of believers. 
lions in Kenya and Tanzania, when they want to attack, they don't care for the resistance of the animals they're attacking. They look for the animals that walk away from the other animals. Animals are together. They can fight together. They can resist together. They go after they roar very hard. And the one animal that runs on their own, they pursue one. And they eat that one. Otherwise, without running away, they can resist without submission and win any battle against the lion. The devil is like a, a rolling lion. But when we submit to God and resist him, submit to God, the devil is a defeated devil. But we need to contend. We need to submit to God and have an act of surrender every moment of our lives. An act of heart surrender in the inner person brings victory from the outside. Before we see the victory outside of our sons and daughters and members of our community saved. There is a requirement here. The kingdom of God is for those who. The kingdom of God is not for those who seldom pray or compromise with the world and sin. And the people who don't hunger for God and the things of God. I repeat this. The kingdom of God is not for those who indulge in the things of the devil. They're in God's kingdom this time. This other time, they have no desire. They are, you know, high-maintenance vehicle. They require spare parts and uh, a lot of attention. We have to be Christians in season and out of season. In good times and bads, we don't threaten people and pastors with backsliding. If things don't go my way, then I'm not going to church. We must strive. We must precipitate crisis. We must oppose the devil. He is a force, but we are better army. The Bible says this. We can only punish the devil when our own submission is completed. It says, and we will be able, we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience, drugs and addiction, prostitution, accidents. When our own obedience is complete in the law. Now, in the kingdom of Uganda, they say, they are able to see Christians that obey, that they love the Lord. They may not have a lot of prayer and a lot of readership of the Bible. I didn't mean that. We all need to read the Bible as much as we can and on daily basis. But we don't follow that routine as much. They say this. Those who compromise cannot punish them. Those who indulge in things, they have no spiritual authority to call them. The kingdom of God is taken hold by people who are, have spiritual aggression. They love Jesus Christ and they want to obey God. I hear the gospel of prosperity alone and prayers in both even in the church I'm pastoring. God demands obedience from us before he gives us authority to deal with the enemy. The coming of the kingdom of God is characterized by the presence of God accompanied by miracles and the healings of God. When we obey God, he reigns in our hearts and it will not be hard to pray for the sick. Because he said, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Must we cut ourselves with blades, crying out until we lose our voices and say, Jesus, why are you not healing the people? When things are not happening the way the Bible said, I say maybe. I'm not saying it's a must, it's this way. Maybe we need to look from the inner side of us and just have a boardroom with ourselves and ask, Jesus, is there anything that has not surrendered and submitted 
Otherwise, the Bible says, if any one of us is sick, let them call the elders, and they will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. And if there is anything they have done wrong, they will be forgiven. We need to pray for the sick. The kingdom of God has come. Pray for the sick. The kingdom of God is a present reality when people are healed. Let me say this with a lot of authority and conviction. One healing of the sick is better than a thousand summons. I could preach and entertain you and make you happy and somersault and do all kinds of things and stories back and forth. One healing miracle is better than a thousand summons. And healing is a present reality of the kingdom of God. And therefore, let's preach the gospel, cast out devil, heal the sick. Because the kingdom of God is in its present reality in healing the sick. Did we start with the Pharisees? We must end with the Pharisees. The Pharisees came to Jesus in Luke chapter 13, verse 31 and 32. And Jesus was healing people and casting out devils. And they told Jesus, oh, excuse me, Jesus, you need to run away from here because Herod is looking after you. Get out of here. In other words, they were telling Jesus, now we are not blaming you for using Beelzebub. Herod is not happy about the business of delivering people. You run away for your life and Jesus had this to say. It sounds rude. Oh, you Pharisees, go tell that fox. I perform cures, I heal the sick, and I cast devils today and tomorrow. In other words, I am doing healing and casting out devils for the kingdom of God has been fulfilled in the tomb. Our role as believers in advancing the kingdom of God, is to persevere, is to be diligent, is to be serious in advancing this kingdom. How do we become serious in the first place? Is to punish every act of disobedience by our obedience and trusting in the finished work of the cross. Jesus doesn't need to die again on the cross for the demon possessed. Don't ever convince yourself it, is, it pleases God that you are sick, you have tumor, you have fibroids, you have pain, and you talk to yourself, oh God, I think it's your will. No, he said, your will be done on us as it is in heaven. And then the prayer ended with thy kingdom and power, power to heal the sick. Ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't have finished on a better note than to say it pleases God to heal the sick in our midst. And that way, the kingdom of God keeps going. The kingdom of God keeps advancing. Today is the day of the Lord. Little children, God wants to heal you. Teenagers, God loves you. Those who have been here long enough and there's a condition we have prayed over you many times. He is more than willing to heal you. He is more than willing to promote you. He is more than willing to take away that depression. It's not God's will that we stay in sicknesses. Heal the sick. Heal the sick, for the kingdom of God has come. Heal, heal, heal the sick, for the kingdom of God has come. Let's give the Lord a mighty shout of honor. Let's worship him. He's alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. We are going to pray. For those who will give their life to Jesus Christ. We are going to precipitate a moment of crisis. That people will make a decision for Jesus. Both in this sanctuary. And those who are following this telecast from the comfort of their houses. Those who are at home. And those who are in the house of God. All of us are going to get an equal opportunity. 
to be part of what Jesus is doing on earth by changing lives. He's a life-changing God. And we're going also to pray for the sick. We believe when we lay hands on the sick, they'll be healed. Maybe, I don't know, but I believe and have conviction. You may have come for this revival. And it is you that God wants to deal with. He wants to give you a miracle that you really need. I may not have mentioned it in the preaching. But you may be the target and the fruit of the entire revival. From those who are at home and those who are in the house. Jesus loves people. He doesn't use sicknesses to punish them. He will never borrow a whip or a cane from the hand of the devil to chastise his children. We are the children of God. Amen? May we bow our heads in the house of God today. Think about your life. Mothers, think about your children too. There is no one single mother and father who will want their children to live in poverty and attack of the devil. But we also want the best of ourselves. The best thing that Jesus ever did for us is to hang on that tree and die a substitutional death for us. We were supposed to die there for our sins, but Jesus paid the ultimate price. How many here by an act of surrender and obedience, we say, Jesus, I want to obey you. Jesus, I want to receive your love and forgiveness of sin. Jesus, I want to live for you. Save me. Deliver me. How many will raise their hands and say, that is me. I'm backsliding. I get tempted and I fall. Jesus doesn't hate you. He hates sin, but he loves the sin, and that's why he came and processed this package of salvation for us, which includes healing. How many all over this place, from this very altar, all the way to the back, side and side of this auditorium, will raise their hands and say, Pastor, I want Jesus Christ. I don't care how many people will be looking around. I will give Jesus my life without trials. I'm surrendering my life. How many intercessors, those who are praying for conviction of the Holy Spirit, they are doing it. That Jesus may touch lives. Jesus may touch our brothers and our sisters, our mothers, our little children. They have a soul. How many will raise their hands and say, that must be me. I need Jesus. You can shoot your hand really high and put it down. The help of God is in the sanctuary. God is helping people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for those hands. You can put them down. How many more? Thank you. Even the little ones. They are believing in Jesus. The last call. How many more? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of faces. Amen. Thank you. Two other prayers. Two other quick prayers. Sick people, don't ever believe this lie. It's the will of Jesus that you remain sick. It's the will of Jesus that you spend all your money on consultancy and medicine and doctors. Doctors are wonderful people. But Jesus is the only physician, and he wants to heal people. How many will raise their hands and say, I want to be healed so that the kingdom of God will be consummated in its present reality in my life today. Thank you for those hands. Thank you so much. God bless you. And you can also raise your hand for somebody else. They're sick. They're part of your family. They're in pain and it affects you. Maybe it's a mother or a father or a son or a daughter or a relative or a friend who is so dear to you. We want to stand in the gap for those we love and are dear to us. 
May I request that we stand up in the presence of Jesus. And as we stand in the presence of Jesus, I want to challenge those who are following this telecast with us. As we pray this prayer with the rest of the people in the house, you follow through and believe in Jesus Christ. And he's going to help you. Both those who are in the country, in the state of Texas and in America, and as far as this projection can go, he is able to go over the mountains and the valleys and save you. Those who raise their hands for whatever the need, for whatever the challenge, would you step in the next aisle and come to the altar? This place is a place of deliverance. Amen. They're coming. And Christians are clapping. The Christians are celebrating. Bless you. Bless you, sir. Bless you. God is helping you. They're coming. Let's keep clapping. Let's appreciate them. Wonderful, wonderful Savior. Wonderful people. Wonderful Savior and wonderful people. Wonderful Savior. And then there is wonderful people. Wonderful deliverance. Wonderful blood of Jesus. Wonderful cross. Hallelujah. And this young man wants to greet this man from Africa. What a wonderful young person. Hallelujah. Let's begin here. Let's all of us pray this prayer. And let's pray it from the bottom of our hearts. Let's pray. Jesus, I come to you the way I am. I am a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me of any, of every, and all sins I've ever committed. I believe in you. You are the only begotten Son of God. You died on the cross to save sinners. I'm one of them. God, help me. Amen. 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 Amen.